0: Good
1: morning. Morning, everybody. How are you? Good morning. Good morning.
0: How How's are life? Morning, everyone. Can we first and foremost say, where is she? Where are they? She? They? Where are they? Ooh. Good
1: morning on a podcast. Nice to uh, know that you're there. Um, and welcome. If this is your first time to the channel, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. We're here Monday to Fridays with Coffee Moaning. And on a Saturday morning, this one here, does the Saturday papers and that is because I'm not with him because I'm over here in the kitchen prepping with my sister for the Curly Cooks of Croydon which is our live cookery show that goes out every Saturday as well.
0: And can we send all of our um, prayers, hope, uh, support, thoughts to Omajan Zadran who is currently out trying to supply humanitarian aid to the innocents of Gaza. Um, Omar
1: Jan, when Mark read me out your messages this morning, I I I did actually cry.
0: Hmm.
1: You you I am just we're just so honoured that you follow us. <laughs> we like we're so excited <laughs> that you that you do and that you get something from these, these coffee moanings and we please keep sending us your news because um we need it.
0: We need your news, and also, I mean, obviously, yes, you were talking about Jordan, Nadia. For anyone who doesn't know, Nadia's parents um, is uh, are, in are, are, are in Jordan, um, and uh, you know, things are things are Jordan. things are ratcheting up as as Jordan uh, essentially is going through all of their peace accords with Israel, and um, and in fact, I think the foreign the foreign minister um, has he has. Is really calling out the Israeli uh, policy of uh, destruction, if you like, in in Gaza for what it for what it looks like, which is you know mass destruction. So you know, um, I I think this is going to be a curious one. We're not going to jump on this. We'll jump. On, we'll, we've got aspects of this to talk about towards the end because obviously the Gaza the Gaza Israel situation. You know, there's an extension, a two day extension to the pause in hostilities as Hamas are offering to release further hostages in exchange for other uh, captives, hostages from uh, Israeli prisons, because let's not forget, many of the people that are being released are women and children. I think it's one of the only countries in the world, is it Israel, that charges children under a certain age or well, and in prison? And well, and
1: in a military, military court.
0: Oh, in a military court, that's right, yeah. For throwing stones, is that right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it carries um, a sentence, maximum sentence of 20 years.
0: Right. Okay. And this is so a, new, a this is a nuclear a this is a nuclear country, right? It's so, nuclear, yeah, if yeah. a
1: child throws a stone, they could potentially they are tried in a military court. They could potentially get twenty years in prison.
0: A child with a stone. Stones. Yeah. Oh, right. God, it really is David and Goliath, you know, isn't it? Do you know It was what? just Goliath. Goliath.
1: Twenty odd years ago, I've told some of you before about this. I did a play that was written by an Israeli um, uh, wow. Jew, and um, she didn't want her child to go into the IDF. And she wrote this play and it was the play all around how, you know, how heavily armed Israel was compared to mm. the fact that the Palestinians use stones. They get like mm. this brilliant target with stones because that's how they fought. Well, let's not
0: forget they don't just throw stones. No, I mean, no, no. I but, mean, but, but no, no. this no, was the Hermos, play. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, was yeah, the yeah, play. The
1: play was about people throwing stones in and how she didn't want her young son to mm. go into the IDF. And it's just mm. so, well, maybe it was 30, I think it was 30 years ago. Hmm. God markets even more. That's how old I am. It's probably forty years ago I did that yeah, play. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, Do you So favorite? we're going to talk, yeah. talk
1: about we're going to talk about the Gaza situation at the end of coffee Money, because we know some people like to check mm-hmm. out before we talk about that.
0: But on that, on that, just briefly, we can say let's just pause and just think and feel for those Israeli families and for those Palestinian families who are receiving members of their family back. Uh, in the next twenty four wow. hours, and then tomorrow too. Um, so, so that's on, that's on, all good
1: on both sides. Can you even mm. imagine? You know, the waiting, not knowing, because on both sides they don't. Nobody knows who's coming out, Absolutely. and that is just torturous. Yeah. I just can't imagine what that's like. Absolutely. So, we're thinking of both sides on that today, as we are every day.
0: Now, in terms of what we're going to talk about today, I've set the agenda. We're going to be talking about Harry and Meghan's the new book. About Harry and Meghan. Have we got the stomach for any more? But we've got the eight biggest takeouts from this book, which is nice because it means you don't have to buy it and read it. Is it just me or does the author look like the strangest of people? He looks about 10. I know. He looks, t- he's 40. He's not the 40. Yes. I mean, this is the most short. Anyway, let's pause. Let's pause. That's one thing. Uh, I want to talk about Rishi on a Dishi. Rishi, Rishi, Rishi Sunak. I am building a collection of ever more. Interesting photographs of Rishi in odd circumstances, mm-hmm. whether it be with a hammer, whether it be twerking in front of a Nissan alongside Jeremy Hunt, or whether it be him taking apart the marbles. Anyway, Rishi Sunak's having a row with Greece. Natasha, Christos, what do you think of this um, about the Elgin marbles? He doesn't want to play marbles. He doesn't want to play marbles. Um, Rishi Sunak. David Walliams uh, gets an apology and, and, and a huge payout. And we're also going to be talking about whether man flu is real.
1: Oh, God, just, he's loving this. <laughs> Lee, I always forget that Rishi exists until he's mentioned. Oh, my God. Sometimes I just love how much you put into words a thought that I've had that I didn't know I had. It's, it's amazing. That's what you do, Lee.
0: Well, Lee, can you...
1: Can, he's can my you? friend that does that for me. He shows me thoughts I had that I didn't know I had.
0: I wasn't blowing my nose And it's like, man, how
1: did it. you have that thought? That's my thought.
0: <laughs> right. No, he has the thoughts you wish you had. No. no is that anyway,
1: right? anyway, I, th- I think I'm probably going to be anyone who knows what I mean there. No, I think we all know.
0: <laughs> um, but but Lee, please pass comment on his trousers. Is this a thing? Is this a Shoreditch thing? Why? Can I just also ask why do men wear ever tightening Lee's, tapering Lee's trousers?
1: A, Lee's a fashion queen. He'll know.
0: Does Lee Lee wears tight tapering trousers? He does. Why is that, Lee? I didn't. I need have to you know. Have you seen him in them? I've seen him in a lot of different he looks trousers. Very cute. Oh, he like. looks great. But yeah. And he listen. looks very
1: cute in a very short short, don't you, Lee?
0: Very short, short, short. <laughs> it's yes, very short, short. Uh, <laughs> Ellen says yes, Man flu exists because I get it. Okay, so <laughs> let, let's start with this new book, shall we? So this new book it's called End. Is it called Endgame? Yeah, I thought it was like a new section of the, of the Avengers. And his name is Omid Scobie. Uh, that's the name of the author. It's been described as a controversial book. Um, and it, it promises to detail the turmoil. It talks about the letter, apparently the email or the message that Meghan sent to the to the royal family, and apparently it names the two people, doesn't it? That that referred to, I think, um, the children's the color skin color. Skin color. Um, but I have here a, a breakdown of some of the most Hang interesting on, aspects was of was the it? book. He
1: doesn't name them. He just says he knows. No, he who just they knows
0: them. them. In fact, right. what seems to be coming out about this book is it tells us absolutely nothing new. <laughs> But he's going
1: to sell loads of them
0: His main source material is the Oprah interview (laughs) Apparently apparently. No, but
1: the rumours are strong that they know each other, aren't they? I
0: don't know Is the force strong with this one? Well, the rumours are strong The rumours are strong, with who? That he knows them All right. okay, well look Here's the top eight takeouts from the book Okay, so the first one is Two royals commented on Archie's skin colour
1: To be fair though, Mark All royal biographers are the same, aren't they? What? Well, they, it's just Have you noticed, gathering ha- of information that they've heard yeah, but, from other people. Yeah,
0: but just from the Oprah interview. No, but he hasn't said it's
1: just from the Oprah. He said a source, a source, a source, won't he? A source? Sources. Say yeah, Worcestershire but, well,
0: source. But can but say a well,
1: I did learn, didn't I? Okay, so what do we hear
0: from this? And then you can all tell us what you think, guys. Two royals commented on Archie's skin colour. Royal author says he knows the names of the two people who allegedly asked about his skin colour. He said their names are revealed in letters between Meghan and the king, but he hasn't revealed them in the book. So don't buy it to find out who they are.
1: I'm going to say something controversial here. Yeah. I don't actually have... I don't understand the total for all around that because it's like me. You know, my dad is Arabic. He's dark. My mum is, is you know, red-headed. Well, she's is red-headed. I don't actually know what colour hair she is. I You know, my sister is blonde. And there's always conversation in the family with what kind of skin color people are going to have. It is quite a normal question. Is it? It will. It all depends on the tone. It all depends on the tone. So if the tone is, oh God, you know what co- what color are they, then of course that is horrendous. It's racist. But. I think that I mean, like, my sister has blue eyes, and I mean, I'm like my dad. I'm so Arab, and it's so yeah. weird.
0: I hear what you're saying, but I, can I can I just push back on that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, because I think I think it would be totally understandable, to say, perhaps if you're the Arabic side of your family, have that conversation, but for the white English side of the family to have that conversation, I think the feeling I get coming from a white family of a certain generation and era and ilk. Um and let's assume that you know the uh, the royal family is a manifestation of that too. I think any discussion of skin color within that camp is gonna be along a different sort of
1: but but I hear you, but I don't think we can just assume that I don't think we can i can't i don't think we can just assume every royal member of the royal family is was is racist no I, just, I agree, and I think that. And, I, and you know me, I mean, I criticise them all the time. I just think sometimes these conversations, they just shouldn't be repeated unless the person is there because it's about the intention. Right. I mean, you could say, your mum could have said to you, oh, I wonder, how, how, I wonder if the baby will be darker, like some of my family are very dark. Yeah, I get you, and it, and, and and it, it wouldn't be from a dark have place. Meant, she wouldn't have meant a thing. Other than that, oh, I wonder if she'll get your blue eyes or her brown. Yeah, and we
0: do talk about it within within your own sort of skin. I mean, like, and for of example, course, these
1: things are important to always talk about raising the oars. But I just think intention, yeah. intention, intention. And if you don't know someone's intention, and you haven't heard the tone. And so much hate has been whipped up about this.
0: My opinion on this is: yeah. if you're going to say something at all, say it fully and say to say it all, because this rumour mill is what's done more damage. The sort of Chinese whispers and the kind yeah. of the hushed tones and the behind and arrest. A,
1: a couple of my friends who are black have said they literally don't understand. It's a conversation that happens all the time when you when it's mixed heritage,
0: right. Fair dues. Okay, a couple of other so things. So much
1: has been, so much money has been made out of this. Okay, a couple of
0: other things to so move on through. Are... We're only on topic one of eight, <laughs> and this is topic. Okay, okay. Yeah. so King Charles apparently blasted Harry as a fool over the Netflix documentary. That doesn't surprise me, nor is it news. The king was has warned royals not to trust Harry. Scobie says the king sent a message around warning royals they were not to trust him in the wake of Spare the book. That's a pretty. Safe assumption. William, power hungry and desperate for the throne.
1: Now, I think these two knocks on on, on William and Kate. Well, he are... says that
0: Kate's being treated like an infant. He's she's infantilized. That's what he says. And he also press.
1: says that she's cold, and that every time Meghan's name is mentioned, she does this <laughs> sort of laugh. So he he, I, I mean, we, none of us know what William and Kate like. We haven't got a blooming clue. clue. I do, I but one. I like them. I like them I see them when I'm talking to they're talking to people I think they but that's
0: you know they're just people but they fart and shit like the rest yeah, of us yeah yeah
1: and I but I do think he's he's made a big mistake here because I think what m- more most people lean towards William, don't they? Oh, my God. The majority love William. William and think that he's had a really hard time with, mm. with, with Harry. Uh, yeah, with his loose mouth. With a loose cannon. <laughs> well,
0: apparently, well, okay, I actually like there's Harry a couple too. of other things here as well, where, where um, you know, apparently there's a growing rift between William and the king. So all things aren't great there. I think the idea in the well, book is that so is that, that Harry says. was punished. Harry was really punished and given warning that if he was to in any way sort of examine, push... or or inquire any further about the way in which William he feels was manipulating the press. I think we have to understand what was interesting, I think, from all of the documentaries. And it it doesn't come as a surprise to any sort of royal correspondents or people in the media. It isn't a surprise that... All the different houses, Clarence House, this house, that house, they do all have their own press teams. They do all have their do. own. And they, and all they are all briefing against yeah, each other. It's business. In a sense. yeah.
1: It's like It's like if you had a big cast of different with different actors, they will all have their own PR team. They will all be, whether they like each other or they don't like each other, their PR teams will be, there'll be machinations going on behind the scenes so that they get the most press. As mm. It's kind of like that,
0: showbiz. Yeah. And he also talks about the way in which the press and everyone and the royal family and all of us uh, essentially infantilize Kate. Like in, in fact, if Kate sharted across a nursery wall, it wouldn't be reported in that way. Do you know what I mean? They just wouldn't. They give her a, a free pass, and I think they do. I think they do. Infantilise. Well, yeah. If you think about it, everything she does is puppy eyes and gooey and lovely, Kate. And that's the coverage. Oh, and well, that's I what, refer what,
1: back to showbiz. There are some people that like. Constantly and over decades have given a perfect image. Mm. And so you, so they get rewarded for that because there's nothing that anybody can have a go at. So whether she's an absolute monster behind the scenes or whether she's an absolute darling, she's played the game, right? So yeah. that's what you get. That's what you receive. It's a Therese,
0: game. Teresa Archon says, does William watch The Lion King with the kids and sing, oh, I just can't wait to be king? <laughs> What a boring let's book, ask says Omid.
1: Sorry. Let's ask Omid. so boring. Why don't we get Omid fact, on
0: and say to him, what is new in your book? Yeah. Why don't we just move on? He's yeah. boring. Maybe. In fact, one of the interviews <laughs> with him talked more about how much he enjoyed his time at Heat magazine. It's a weird, how has this even got purchase? We've given him too much time already. Yeah, let's yeah, get off it. On? Okay, let's go to Rishi uh, and his desire to play. This, this is a curious story. What do we all think about, when I say Elgin Marbles, what do you think of that?
1: I just know we've nicked them, haven't we? And we need to give them back.
0: Yeah, Yeah. they were part of the Parthenon. I was always, I was always disappointed. I was always disappointed that they weren't marbles, weren't you? I came from this. Feel that from full Croydon, didn't we nick them? Yeah, (laughs) didn't you feel that? (laughs) First time I was told what the marbles were, I are thought. Are you I seriously
1: big... fucking asking me to remember the first time I heard about the Elgin Marbles when I can't remember
0: my daughter's birthday? But aren't you disappointed, nevertheless? And whenever you found Not out, maybe last time, I wanted them to be marbles. Oh, <clears throat> what are they? Oh,
1: if I go back back, i probably need to think they were marbles. Describe them. Aren't they statues?
0: Well done. Yeah, yeah they are because they made a marble.
1: But I so wanted a game anyway. I was waiting for a kitchen worktop.
0: <laughs> uh, you're not going to believe this. So Rishi uh, had a meeting with the Greek Prime Minister, right? And part of the deal with the, the meeting was don't mention the marbles. Well, you know, don't oh, I'm not the coming word. if you bring up the marbles. I'm, I'm not... not giving them back. Oh my God, hang he's on, such a little twerp. So the Prime Minister mentions the marbles, and Rishi cancels the meeting. No, shut the. Front door. <laughs> He's thrown a strop. Um, yeah, so Downing Street believed it had assurances from the Greek government that the Prime Minister wouldn't raise the subject of the Parthenon Sculptures, as they're now being called the Elky Marbles. But apparently he did. Why don't uh, we just give then, them back? And then Number 10 then cancelled Rishi Sunak's meeting.
1: This, this is Prime Minister's like, I
0: can't understand why he doesn't want to play marbles. Why don't we just give them back if they're not ours? Well, it's a good question. What do you think, guys? Should we give them back? It's, Absolutely. Uh, we got them in a period of colonial kind of theft let's face it, if you took everything out of the British Museum that we got from colonial theft, there'd be nothing left.
1: I suppose the problem is, they think, if we start there, all we're ever going to be doing is giving back stuff. Nothing we own is ours.
0: Exactly. I mean, we're we're fucked, really. Apart from Stonehenge and no one wants it. It's fucking boring, isn't it?
1: It's the most when you boring go shit it.
0: show I've ever been no, to. No, but my what life. I
1: want to do is I want to walk up to it and I want to hug a stone because then I think I'll get something.
0: I did that one as a child. It's not all; it's cracked up. Today, I <laughs> it. I fell off it and I hurt my chin. It was really horrible. Um, it's just a little shit. Who thinks when
1: Rishi storms out, he trips a bit on the carpet? I do.
0: Well, he certainly doesn't trip I over. Think he's his... a carpet tripper. Do you? Yeah, I think you're probably right. It must be cold being uh, Rishi Sunak's shin, don't you think? Trousers are always so high. OK, Britain's Got Talent. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Britain's Got Talent. David Williams obviously took uh, Fremantle to court uh, for lost earnings over his X-rated hot mic transcript leak. This was him being sort of rude and horrible about members of the audience. Me and you didn't uh, 100% agree on this. Anyway, he's managed to...
1: So he had his microphone off. Yeah. Microphone on. Oh outside of the studio and he's chatting to his friends Mm -hmm. and he says things that aren't nice well he Um, says the
0: transcript showed that call him calling an elderly contestant a c-u-n-t as they left the stage while he said another was like a boring girl that thinks you want to f-u-c-k them but you don't um so this isn't about whether what he said was right or wrong he apologized for that he said it was inappropriate and it was wrong and he lost his job and he has sued or he's sought damages uh, from the producers um, and an apology, and he's got an apology, and he's also secured at least a million, but no more than ten million, because he went in for ten million, and it's a seven-figure sum.
1: I was getting stuck on seven. Damn. <laughs> um, but okay, so David Williams, I do not like him one bit, not one bit. Wow. I, I there is nothing I like about David Williams, and I don't like what I hear about, him, and all of this sort of stuff, but. I am actually pleased about this ruling because, you know, any well, first of all, though, professionally, you are always supposed to think you're never alone with a microphone. You're never supposed to say you're never alone with a microphone. And people will say it. You'll be saying something and people go, you're never alone with a microphone. But, you know, Gallo's humour... Now, I don't know whether this was gallows humour or not, is something very, very showbiz, Mm. a bit like doctors. Doctors can be very gallows humour. I think if doctors were caught with microphones on, there'd be many that would be losing their jobs. Mm. But it's a way of dealing with it. And I think gallows humour is something, why is it not broadcast? Because it's unsavoury and because it could be misconstrued and because it could offend. So if something is published, I didn't read, because what is different about any other production I've ever heard? Every single thing that is said was written down. It is odd. That is, I'm telling you, that is weird. That is weird, isn't it? That is really weird. Everybody I know in the business went, Fremantle, write down every word of it because it feels like that's being recorded for some other reason. So I think it's absolutely right the ruling. Imagine if you got into your house and you've said something and somebody bloody. Well, writes and Alexa it down. been
0: recording the whole bloody yeah, thing. Yeah, which
1: is going to happen.
0: It's going to be bloody Carol McGivin
1: was right. Um hey, <laughs> <like
0: that? laughs> She was all like,
1: you're all mad having all these gadgets and all these things. And the more I think about it, the more I think she was right,
0: actually. Right. So you were too worried about that thing you revealed about Kay? She likes to do of an evening. That's on a hot mic.
1: <laughs> we call it a hot mic.
0: It was a hot mic.
1: But it still makes me laugh that people still do this over their mics. So that is not going to stop your mic picking up what It's not going to stop say. it being
0: hot. No. Would you describe your osteopath as a hot mic? Mm-hmm. No, just magic mic. Mach- a a hot mic. Magic mic. magic
1: mic
0: because he's so good. Oh, he's so- oh, right. I'm slightly concerned you're spending more and more time with magic mic. I get-
1: as I get older, I will. Do you need? Because you need to keep your body clicked in and clunked out.
0: Yeah, whenever I try to click you in and clunk you out, I'm only <laughs> there for a minute. You spend 45 minutes with him. Darling. What?
1: Are you really only there for a minute? What do, you, what do you you you're expressing yourself.
0: What are you saying?
1: I don't know. You start it.
0: Oh, pass the <laughs> hankies, fellas. Okay, so uh, man flu. Man flu. I didn't mean pass the hankies like that. I meant blowing your nose.
1: Oh. Just move on, Mark.
0: So is man flu real, guys? Is this a thing? Is it real? Is it all in our imagination? When a woman gets ill, she's sort of, you know, she's stoic. She pushes on. She carries on. And when when met my Google Home definitely listens to me, the other day I heard it you This is Lee. <laughs> I think Rishi needs to just wear shorts. Then he'd look like a school kid, wouldn't he, with a flat He already crumb. does. Oh, he really does. Um, apple crumb. Um, so man flu, is it a thing, Nat?
1: Well... We all know about man flu, don't we? We all know. I mean, I grew up with the most hypochondriacal father on the planet. As I was telling you last week, wasn't I? One day he came downstairs and said he had PMT. He's
0: amazing.
1: I've when we that. were young, because he'd heard us all talking about it, suddenly he had PMT. So that. I I grew up with that. You know, my dad's flu was like no other flu. Every time he was ill, it was for Lou and then I have this incredibly stoic mother you know she cut her finger off and because she was waiting too long for the anesthetic she told me just to stitch it back on without the anesthetic I, th- I thought she, she, she said she didn't need it.
0: it she said I sent it back
1: well she like, like, I not need there it, it. So I just sew it up you know so my mom is incredibly stoic and so you know we we try you know that's our sort of thing I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but then how often do we marry somebody that has so many of our father's traits?
0: Right. You
1: have a lot of my father's traits. I do. Yeah. It's really weird. And apparently, I remember our um, uh, one of our um, marriage guidance counsellors saying to us that often in a relationship, we're trying to fix what we couldn't fix in our parents' relationship. Maybe you
0: don't like lamb. That's why you're with me. And you never, you can never say it to your dad. Yeah, you can never say uh, he loves yeah. lamb.
1: Don't say to an Arab, "You don't like lamb." You don't like lamb. What is wrong with you? I don't like lamb.
0: There's some serious thought to this, though. Man flu. Um, you, you know, so, this so is
1: much... I have always, because of that, just said it's man flu. I hate but the way you there do is that. now no, because I haven't finished what I was fucking saying. No, no,
0: I'm saying I'm just, I'm trying. But me so,
1: in. so, so now, unfortunately, I have been proved wrong
0: on Whoa. the flu. Or have you or have you? Uh, we're going to float some scientific uh, details past you guys, and you, and you can let me know. I think Zoe Agnew is a good example of someone. Regardless of what the science says, Zoe is never going to be moved from the idea that when a man is ill, he's not really ill. <laughs> I don't think anything. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Even if your if your leg is off, it's still man flu. And I think that's. that's but what a bit I sad.
1: found Zoe is when they are really ill. They will not go to a doctor. They will not do anything. It's really strange. When there's actually something to worry about, they won't get it seen to.
0: Yeah, leap bleep it. You don't have clam. <laughs> uh, you don't have
1: clam. And Cambo says,
0: my mum, just briefly, my mum recently had fly, fly flu and my mother literally cleaned her whole house with the flu, whereas my dad is practically on
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, this is this is a piece. Uh, Jenna Hope is a woman, apparently, I think she's a, an expert that pops up on this morning every now and then. She helps companies to hone their, the health of their workforces. And she's just written a piece in The Times about how actually, actually, oh no, she hasn't written, she's been interviewed uh, for a piece in The Times about how actually there could be some truth to this. There could be some truth to the idea being this, that if me and you get the same virus it has a much more damaging effect or it's much more difficult for me to deal with it than it is you. But premenopause,
1: because it's the estrogen that helps helps us have a better immune system. And the progesterone um, so, East, so hang on, what's the actual line? The immune system has a number of hormone receptors throughout the body which respond more favourably to oestrogen and progesterone. I, progesterone. I want to read
0: this bit. Yeah. We also know, she says, that testosterone plays a role in the suppression of the immune system. So not only do men have more of the hormone that suppresses immunity, they have less of the ones that support it. So in other words, we're so busy being hormonal men. We haven't got time for these freaking flus. So we can't cope with
1: them. No. So, but you are more likely to end up in hospital with the flu as a man than you are as a woman. And, you know, it's like my menopause doctor always says, it, it you, you know, after your menopause, you have a deficiency. That's the way you have to look at it. You have a hormone deficiency right. and it affects so much of your body. So, like, we need estrogen and produce progesterone. Um, and... Uh, This one thing I hadn't heard to say, because you hear about all the things that it's so important for. So testosterone
0: is so good. But actually, so in a sense, the more testosterone, presumably women take on board in their maybe hormone replacement therapy or whatever, the more likely they are to have man flu.
1: Well, no, because you're because you're balancing it with your estrogen, your progesterone. So that is also why, you know, during covid there were all these studies going on on how, how much better women that were on HRT were dealing with COVID than women that weren't. So, so it's quite in, interesting.
0: So in essence, but as you read through the article, it becomes quite a depressing read for men though, because on the one hand, you're told, you have the affirmatory sort of news that, oh yeah, I am, I am feeling worse, I am feeling worse. And it's justified and that's good. And then as you get towards the end of the article, it says basically it's because we're the weaker sex, we die younger, we have insufficient good
1: point, Natasha. chromosomes and we're shit. Natasha Thomas says, "But isn't that also because women look after themselves better, which generally they do? So what do this you need? Just
0: peace talks about that. what
1: do you need for a stronger immune system? You know, really varied diet, lots Please of colours, exercise, um, sleep." All those things strengthen your immune system. If you jump up and down and run around now, you're going to produce more white cells. Can I also say something protection. else that
0: this article draws attention to, which you've been saying for years, and I am loath to even throw on the table. It says that actually one of the most damaging things for men that men do a lot is they do intense fitness without any regard for how that sits within yeah. the broader perspective. So for of example, the thing you always not. say to me, you jump up and you do stressful workouts. And men are, men are hugely keen on stress workouts.
1: And what that does is that actually that actually puts stress on your immune system.
0: Yeah,
1: it's it's great. I mean, obviously to do high cardio and stuff, but you've got to do the other stuff as well. And when you do it because you're totally exhausted, if you are totally exhausted, what is your body telling you? That I think men don't listen to their bodies in the way that women do. Okay, hang on. Like, say I was booked to go to the gym. And I'm absolutely going. And I wake up and I feel totally exhausted. I'm gonna to say to myself, what? Well no, i will be better off doing yoga than this. That's doing weird,
0: yoga. but do you know what I'm gonna do? Force myself. There you go. Yeah, there you go, you see. Listen to my body. Just put your head here. Listen. Listen, you'll hear.
1: Your heart goes boom bang a bang boom bang a bang when I am near. Can I boom, listen to it? Right, boom, bang, a bang, boom, bang, bang, loud in my ear. <laughs> pounding away, pounding away, won't you be mine? Boom, bang a bang, bang all the time. It's such a lovely feeling.
0: <laughs> Can I have a listen to your body?
1: <laughs>
0: Mark, don't you got a stiff neck. Sorry about that. Couldn't you do that, you? Um, <laughs> A couple of other bits and bobs that I want to talk about. Rishi Sunak says every child in Britain could soon have a robot as a teacher. This makes me of laugh
1: so much. I had to send this to my sister this morning because she only calls him the robot. She never calls him Rishi Sunak. She I, never calls him the minister. She just calls him the robot.
0: I wish I'd saved this image because he's looking at a small cube said. of ice as if it's something quite, quite astonishing. Um, as
1: our daughter left the house today, she went, and have you seen him use a hammer? Have you seen,
0: yeah, have you seen him use a hammer? Um, I just want to say, uh, did you want to add to that?
1: No, I was just seeing if Dina came back to me on the Rishi story.
0: So this is seriously Rishi saying the Holy Grail of education policy could give disadvantaged pupils a robot to teach them. (coughs) But the problem here is who programs the robot? Let's hope it's not Rishi. Um, So AI could be teaching the kids. I just want to give a quick shout out to Paul Watson. We don't normally do this. Paul Watson, Fly on the Wall documentary filmmaker, Known as they say the godfather reality mm. TV has died. Oh. And I filmed with him. He offered me my first job at the IT, did at he? ITV. Yeah. Did well, he? I interviewed him and we did a three-hour, I've got it in the loft, did a two and a half hour chat with him about, about Flying the Wall documentary filmmaking. Um and he offered me a job with James Hunt up in Manchester. Oh, I couldn't get up to Manchester. Yeah, and he was he was absolutely lovely. He made uh, the family he was I the loved he, he, that. in 1974 I loved
1: that that was the beginning yeah. of my love of like documentary yeah. reality docu- proper documentary
0: and he was a good example of and in fact we're working on a couple of projects he was a good example i remember one of the things he said to me that stuck with me for years was he said the problem with filmmaking and documentary increasingly in television is the one important ingredient that makes great documentary great, and this was true of another great do- uh, fly-on-the-wall documentary filmmaker, Frederick Wiseman, who did that film, Juvenile Court, and he did films in prisons, is he said you need to give them time. I'm thinking of the half that we did, And he said some of, it's a component that producers and commissioners and, you know, the people who kind of fund these things don't give documentaries, is time. Yeah. You need to spend time. Yeah. And that's why so much of our documentary content has become something which is called, you know, sort of controlled reality or, you know, factual, yeah. factual reality it's factual entertainment so you don't want to the, bed in you don't want to bed in and what they're trying to do is create Too artificial expensive. scenarios yeah. where real things happen which is why yeah. reality has kicked off it's controlling and commodifying and making commercial you know real stuff and he was an absolute kind of trailblazer and he's just died at the age of 81 i just want to give a shout out because he was a he was a real oh, inspiration wow, such
1: a lovely story yeah. and he, was so, his, he was so
0: he was so kind to me I should you send should it get to your
1: his interview family. done and give it to his family 100%. they would love
0: it um, and finally, I've got a couple of films to show you because uh, we're on StreamYard. So let's just take advantage of it, shall we? Where oh, are we? Over here. Um, I want to show you this. Um, this is <coughs> this is the White House. Um, and I just want to show...
1: Okay, Alison
0: Barber, I urge everyone to see
1: the Rishi parody by Munya Chihuahua. Chihuahua. So funny. Okay, we will. We love it. Make we keep saying like, we need more parody. We want more
0: satire. More what's, par-
1: what's, the, what's the name, Mark?
0: Munya Chihuahua. 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 Uh, I just want to show you this because it just, just, I don't know. I mean, okay, it is interesting and it is festive and it is Christmassy. But given sort of America's role in the current sort of, you know, Middle Eastern crisis, I don't know, it felt sort of unappetized, But check this out. This is the White House in America has been decked out for Christmas. I just thought we'd have a little look at... Embrace the inner child.
1: Wow. Unless... Wow. Unless you're a garden child. Yeah,
0: it does feel a little bit like that. Wow. Gingerbread White House.
1: Letters for Santa. (laughs) Mm.
0: 98 Christmas trees across the entire compound. Wow, look at that. That is some Christmas tree. But it did just feel, I don't know it felt odd
1: well it was like when we saw him giving out the sweets on halloween those all those perfectly polished children coming up for the pr thing of him and him handing each individual child a sweet, Mm. and you just think do you not feel sick to your stomach with what's going on Mm. as you're as you're faking this loving children Mm. Mm. warmongerer
0: okay (laughs) should we jump out
1: let's jump out okay um, that was weird.
0: Yeah, I, 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 uh, what's happening? What's going on?
1: Why we? Well, just, it's very strange. I don't know. I don't
0: know. <laughs> um, look. <laughs> so, um, weren't
1: we going to fill it? Were we, when we do, yeah. Are we? not doing Gaza at the end? No, well, just,
0: yeah. I mean, in terms of the Israel... Uh, <clears throat> so, just of, if
1: you want to yeah. leave now, because we always do the Gaza situation at the end in case those that want to leave can leave. Um, but we just thought we'd do a little roundup of where we are.
0: So obviously, we are seeing some of the youngest hostages being um, handed back to their families, uh, to Israeli hostages, um, and we are continuing to see uh, uh, um, captives released from uh, Israeli jails too. So the the exchange is happening, and and the pause, as I said earlier, has has been. Prolonged for another forty eight hours, I mean obviously on both sides behind behind in a sense, if you like, you know the actions of hostages being handed over there 's obviously lots of chatter about this is an opportunity to, for, for Israel to take a deep breath and get ready for the resurgent push and there 's an opportunity for Hamas to regroup and uh, sort of restock themselves or reorientate themselves in some capacity. Um, so we're in this odd situation where everyone's sort of waiting for the sort of for the sort of bell to ring and it all to kick off again, which just again just seems so, so bizarre. Like, and it, it just strikes it, me as what really I think is a complete failure of Western leadership is that at this very moment, and let's hope it maybe yeah. still happens in 24 hours, because we've passed the original agreement. If ever there was a moment that surely it's it's not contentious to say ceasefire,
1: yeah, it's, it's now. now.
0: We can see that everyone needs it. I don't
1: understand it. how they cannot. Say, can we see some comments? More? I don't understand how how they what what is the thinking? What, what do you guys think? What do you think? It, it's it's what is now being achieved? What what more can be achieved by more pounds and pounds and of bombs every day? What 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 are we going to achieve with that? What do you think, guys?
0: Guys, with all due respect, we're terrified of either here.
1: Are you? Tell us more, Natasha.
0: Natasha, can I just also ask you, do you agree? uh, Because I I, I feel that I can't sort of get any direct answer. It's almost like the whole kind of resettlement and illegal settlers Mm. aspect of this. Whenever it gets mentioned, people kind of do this. Literally, people who are sort of, they go, Mm. the illegal settling, what is your take on that, Natasha? Because... I hear you. I hear you that you don't feel safe whether you're in a non-war scenario, let's Mm. say, or a, you know, in a sort of peace, theoretically peaceful, or or you're at war. But likewise, I think so many members of the Palestinian community feel like that too. This is
1: what my father always says, Natasha. He he always says, you know, my father is such a smart and huge-hearted man. And he said, how terrifying for the Israelis as well to be living... Even though, of course, you are in, you know, in, in a much, of course, obviously much safer position. You're not being, you know, bombed continuously 24 seven. You've got wonderful hospitals. You've got all of this, but the underlying fear mm. that must just feel like eggshells in your life. I imagine it, it's just very different. It's just a very different fear, isn't it? Because it's not just like you're in the sort of the adrenaline of the, of the, of the, you know constancy of constancy is yeah. such a word of it um but there must just be this always this feeling of threat what's going to come back to me
0: here's a question okay here's a question and i and, I, and i'm asking this from a genuinely sort or anyone, of anyone not just natasha anyone what? we don't
1: want to put natasha on oh the no no spot. no i'm not asking you no, here's a question here's a question
0: for everyone <clears throat> okay answer me this because natasha like you say because whatever your stance on the settlement illegal settlements they're two different issues i don't I think they are. I want a two-state solution, Hamas do not. I think the, the illegal settler aspect and the subjugation of Palestinians, children, you know, and the, in a sense, the refusal to allow the Palestinians in, say, Gaza to have some form of self-determination. And, and part of any self-determination of a state, right, correct me if I'm wrong, is the ability to defend yourself. Now, Defending yourself is entirely different to uh, committing a a horrendous attack like October the 7th. But have we got into a situation here? Because Anna Illing, you say the Hamas factor seems to be a huge threat to permanent peace. Have we got into a situation here which is really quite existentially complicated? Because every country in the world, Israel, we, Russia, Ukraine, everyone says they are entitled to have their own army of sorts, whatever that is, some form of self-defence. Now, parking October the 7th to the side, what do Palestinians in Gaza do? How can they? How can, how can they resolve this? And if Israel can answer this as a, as a government, I think we could get to a solution. How can Gazans feel that they have a legitimate form of self-defence against an occupation and a lifestyle that feels oppressive? Because what's happened internationally is we've got to a situation where, you know, Hamas is a prescribed terrorist organisation, and the complications are emerging out of the fact that what form of defence, if any, are Gazans allowed? Are they allowed any? And if they're not, what does that mean? Do you see what I mean? It's a, and this is this goes to the heart of the problem because what we're seeing in the West Bank is. The oppression, and they've killed 250 Palestinians in the West Bank. And Hamas aren't there, theoretically. I mean, you know, officially Hamas aren't there. So we do have a curious situation where any, and I I used the example the other day that if you're a Palestinian family defending your family, say, from the Israeli forces coming in, are you then automatically Hamas because you you seek to look after your family? Because that's, ah, Natasha Milton. So you say, have a different government. Have a different government. So in that sense, baked into that idea is if, in a sense, is everyone who voted for Hamas makes everyone, what? Deserving of what's happening. Does that not mean, therefore, we need to change our perspective on, okay, we don't like, you know, Israel obviously doesn't like Hamas, but maybe one has to ask the question, then why has Hamas got in? Do you know what I mean? If it's about voting in a different government, maybe the conditions that have led to the population of Palestine voting for Hamas That needs to change. And I worry. I really worry. I really do worry. I don't know what you think about this, Natasha. That Benjamin Netanyahu, curiously, and I'm only talking about Netanyahu and his government, curiously, he's almost aggravating the West Bank to have a sort of more extremist response. It's weird. Mm. There seems to be a provocation that's happening outside of even this war that's encouraging or has a vested interest almost in the extremism. So it means that Israel can sort of keep, I don't know, it it it, it, strike me as, it strikes me as unless all this sort of stuff is dealt with, you're never going to get a solution. A, you're never going to get rid of Hamas because it will just change your name. B, you've left an entire generation of children without parents and mothers. It's going to radicalise them.
1: That's where I think it must be really scary, like if, yeah. if you are, you know, Israeli, because, they you know, you, you, you can't wipe out everybody. And what's going to happen? It's like mm. I always say, these huge eyes of very young children, pools of like terror, they're terrified and they have no family. Where are they going to go? Charity, Who's going to bring them up? Who's going to look after them? Who's going to get into their heads? That's the thing that scares me.
0: Cherry D makes a really important point, And I think this is interesting, <coughs> Natasha. What government should they have? And oppressed people choose resistance. Interesting. Um, Natasha, I'm Russian. I didn't choose Putin, and yet I had to leave my country for a variety no. of reasons, Israel being my only God. option. Palestinians Natasha. need different leaders, so a two-state solution can be agreed. Um, yeah, we voted in Blair, says DP, but it doesn't mean we also agreed with the war in Iraq. There you go. So I think, you know, I, it's true. I think it's I really- mean, how
1: many of us agree with whoever we voted in? Exactly. Oh, I mean, my God.
0: Look at American the- Trump.
1: Oh, Well, look at the despicable lies and uh, everything that went on with bloody Boris.
0: Mm. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay, guys.
1: Humanity, not hatred. And, you know, God... We must never forget the luck of our birthplace, you know. My God, there but for the grace of God go any of us mm. into the most horrendous situations. Mm. Um so listen, guys, loads and loads of love. Thank you for hanging out with us today. And um we'll see you tomorrow. How about that?